Welcome to another episode of U-Tunes. I'm John, and I'm joined by my host, as always, Mr. Cody Smith. Hey, hey, how's it going, John? It's it's uh, it's really great to be back here. Um, unfortunately, we got kind of a sad topic tonight. Yeah, we, we really do. Uh, this one, you know, usually we kind of map out our shows, but something big kind of happened in the animation community, and be remiss not to talk about it, and that is the passing of SpongeBob and Rocco's Modern Life creator, Steven Hillenberg, sir. Well, so uh, I do have to correct you. He wasn't. He he didn't create uh, Rocco's Modern Life, but he was a he was a head writer and a producer for some. That's right. That yeah. Show. And and basically, almost everybody kind of uh, walked, you know, with Steven Hillenberg uh, over to making SpongeBob. Um, and he actually he actually worked a little bit before doing uh, Rocco's Modern Life. He had a a really bad cartoon called The Green Beret. Like I watched about a minute of it and it was just like, it was so hard to watch. So uh, I've got a couple clips here uh, pulled up uh, just so that way, you know, uh, we can, you know, kind of remember, you know, him just as, as a, as a creator, uh, you know, he shaped a lot of our childhood. So, um, and SpongeBob is just a worldwide, worldwide phenomenon that will never, ever go away ever. So um, I got this clip uh, of uh, <laughs> um, when SpongeBob and Squidward went on strike and uh, Squidward has a dream that he that he's on strike with SpongeBob forever. Forever, forever, on strike with SpongeBob forever. Wait, wait, wait! Hold the presses. What? What's going? No, 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 no! This is Ten Street. No, cartoons are next week. Nah. Welcome to Tin Street Hooligans, ladies and gentlemen. Just kidding. Ha. Uh, yeah, uh, but thank you. Uh, we have Mr. Zuby and Coach. They are somewhere off probably doing weird D&D things together. Uh, we, we don't ask. We don't tell. Uh, but uh, in place, uh, very graciously, Mr. Cody Smith from Fishin, a Mirfolk podcast, uh, is, has joined us uh, to co-host tonight. So uh, thank you, Cody. Hi everyone. I'm Cody from Fish and Murfolk Podcast. Uh, uh, streaming, YouTubing, all that fun stuff, and I'm here. So yeah, let's let's do let's do some tin streeting. Let's do some tin streeting. And uh, as always, my you know the last man standing uh, of the regular tin streets, uh, Mister uh, Johnny Slivers, the crackling carnarium himself. Crackling carnarium? Is that it? <laughs> Cackling? Cack I'm thinking crackling doom, like Cackling like coach carnarium. <laughs> yes, last week I ran the first stream after dark when people are actually home from work. It was a small miracle. It was great. <laughs> the thing's awesome, man. You're gaining some traction. I've seen with the numbers and everything. It's a good stuff. It's good well, stuff. I found out apparently you need a hundred people to get your own unique like custom youtube url and i was like oh i actually have a sub goal now okay i guess i might as well go for that so yeah um i'm i'm going for the hundred and that'll be fine and then once i get to 100 i'm good i'm good i'll retire at that point get yeah. my custom url <laughs> <laughs> and our our real special guest tonight as promised from the youtube channel warlord hank we have john and calvin better known as slow cap Slow clap cat. Why am I doing this tonight? Uh, <laughs> thank you for joining us, guys. Hey, guys. What's going on? I am John, better known on the internet as Warlord Hank, and this is... Calvin, also better known on the internet as Slow Clap Cat. And we do, like you said, the channel, my channel is Warlord Hank, but we are trying to be a little better known as Cardboard Paladins. We're moving towards that 
I'll probably rebrand the channel here in the next couple of months, um, just so it's more inclusive of him and I, rather than just me, because the channel is definitely both of us. And, you know, we're trying to get Calvin involved more and more. And as we do that, I just think that branding at Warlord Hank is the wrong way to go. Awesome. Uh, uh, the latest episode, if I might say, uh, from GP Milwaukee is my favorite one of the series of the the uh, the Cardboard Paladins. It's awesome. Uh, you guys did a nice tournament report. Uh, and you're a big fan of Milwaukee, as you stated about 40 times, John. I love Milwaukee. It's a super nice town. I mean, it's clean. People are friendly. It's not Chicago. It's great. <laughs> I was going to jump in and say, they're not Detroit, so. Yes. <laughs> was that a stab at Zuby? Because I think that's where he's getting drunk yeah. currently. Yeah, he is in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah his Zuby's making kissy faces in the Chicago area. Oh, it's down. <laughs> now, Calvin, I actually have a question because for uh, you started out on the internet as slow, slow clap cat. See, not, then, not easy, is it? Yeah, it's, it's not as easy as I thought it would be. Um, and then for, for a brief period, you became no clap cat. So are you back to intermittent clapping yet or is or, or, or full, full time clapping? Golf clap. Golf clap cat. <laughs> <laughs> he smartly giggles and moves on. <laughs> Good move, man. Just, 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 just walk away from it. <laughs> That was awesome. That was everything. Um, and before we get into the meat and potatoes of what was a very crazy magic news week, uh, we do have some business to attend first. Uh, like if you are in the market to buy, sell, or trade Magic the Gathering cards in paper fashion, go to cardsphere.com. That's right, cardsphere.com, the best place to buy, sell, and trade your paper Magic the Gathering cards. Uh, also, uh, this was kind of my, I, I spoiled this as an announcement at the beginning of the show. Uh, the the Hive Mind and uh, Tin Street Hooligans just picked up a sponsored affiliation with inkgaming.com. So inkgaming.com, go over, head over there for custom play mats, uh, dice bags, uh, custom sleeves, all this awesome stuff. They, they sell at inkgaming.com. So go over there, uh, enter promo code HiveMindMTG. That's HiveMindMTG to get 10% off your total order. So that's Pretty awesome. So thanks, everyone, uh, Mitch and everyone over at Inked Gaming uh, for, for affiliating with this channel also. So, yeah, awesome stuff. So cards here in Inked Gaming. Uh, there is some other unfortunate news that just happened, and this is like breaking news. Uh, Johnny, you just saw this on Twitter. Um, something just happened to one of our fellow, our fellow Planeswalkers, right? Yeah, let me go look it up. This is uh, – I have it on my phone, but I should have had it on a window here. So everybody knows Rhino, uh, most likely. Many of you who are here on the channel will know who Rhino is. Um, he recently had a seizure, and it was, a, it was a, according to Phil, his father. Uh, it sounds like it was a doozy. And so he's having a rough go. The, he, uh, Phil gave us an update. He's keeping us posted, but they're, they're headed off to the hospital to get him checked out. Um, Kiddo looks like he's had, had a rough bout there. So, oh, you know, Rhino, when, if you catch this, we are rooting for you. We're pulling for you. Just... Hang in there, buddy. We're we're all all rooting for you. Yeah, Absolutely. that's sad to hear. He's just a great kid, a great pillar of the community. Has been. Um, he was just on Tin Street last uh, last episode. So of course, all all the love and and if you pray, all that stuff. Send it. Send good thoughts and vibes 
uh, over to Rhino's way because he definitely needs it right now. Um, what are we focusing on as far as our charity this episode, Johnny? Our charity, uh, we were going to round out the rest of the month with the, let me go ahead and do that screen share, <laughs> get my high technology on. All right. So we are promoting for the rest of this month. This is probably, this is less, uh, you know, we'll change it up for December. Um, the Treatment Advocacy Center. And I did a little looking into the history and a big, it was founded by Dr. What was, hang on a second. Right over here, uh, Dr. Fuller Tory, and back in '98, and and the real focus behind this charity is to help promote access, not just for people across the board, but legislatively, going for, you know, making it possible for people who are dealing with mental illness who don't have the means to help themselves, um, especially when they get into a state of of joblessness, homelessness. Um, and, and just finding their way into the you know the criminal criminal system where they're getting processed through through you know the courts and all that, um, they're really advocating and have been since 1998 to change the systems in place in the states at the state level. And uh, they've teamed up also with I believe what is this the the Stanley Medical Research Institute, um, and they've been working in tandem with them, so much so that they even, uh, they avoided getting any sponsorships from pharma pharmaceuticals, and they are looking for just, they're operating on funding from people who are in line with their mission. They wanna stay with the mission of helping people who don't have easy access to mental health and wellness for themselves and act as an advocate for those who don't have others to advocate for them. So if you are looking to take, you know, take some of that magic card money and put it towards a good cause, this is the one we're promoting for the rest of November. Please, by all means, go up to the top of the page, hit that donate button and give them a little extra help. And that is our charity for November. Awesome. And I think uh, Spencer Howland is going to be uh, dual spearheading this as well from constructedcriticism.com. Uh, so yeah, uh, we're always going to focus, like I've said before, on mental health, because that is one of the biggest unfortunate, you know, problems that are not dealt with correctly, uh, at least in, in this country, uh, but probably around the world. So yeah, please, uh, like Johnny said, uh, take, take money from that booster pack and maybe send it uh, way via someone that, that needs it. Um, I did not, uh, I think I might be the only one drinking tonight, fellas, but I did not uh, introduce my special guest. I have a Fremont winter ale. This is an imperial winter ale, uh, 8% or uh, like the bottle states because beer matters. So does anyone else have a special guest with them tonight? I chugged a Powerade. <laughs> <laughs> I've got... I have a, an enormous mug of water. <laughs> That's always good. I've got a Lipton tea uh, in this Starbucks cup from Houston. <laughs> so you guys got this tonight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cody, might I just add, I love that poster of breakfast behind you. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a, uh, my wife got that for me uh, for my birthday last year. And uh, it's it's probably the best present I've ever received. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. If you uh, know where it's from, uh, put it in the chat. It's it's a it's a great little Easter egg. Ted, Ted, Ted from Cardsphere uh, in the chat is also inebriated in a different way, but we will move on. Um <laughs> 
Wow. Uh, yeah, let, let's go go back to, yeah, so th let's talk a little bit about, let's do a little, you know, mini background about your channel, uh, John. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Warlord Hank, where, where it came from, where you guys are going. So I, I kind of switched over. I had a YouTube channel for several years, and I just did Guild Wars 2 content because I was super into Guild Wars 2, but I never really did much with it. Um, I had a few videos that got a ton of views, um, but last winter, right around this time last year, I was going through my cards. Um, I was, uh, you know, looking to sell some to buy a switch for my other son. And, uh, you know, Calvin started showing an interest in it. I'm like, Oh, check these cards out. And, you know, he's into art. He's into, you know, fantasy stuff. He reads the Harry Potter books. He reads a lot. The kid reads more in like a year than I've read in my life. Um, but he started getting into it. So I started getting into it again. I'm like, well, this is pretty cool. And I was checking out the new stuff. The last time I played was 2003. Um, so I started getting into it again. And, and we, we hit up a couple different shops in the area. And uh, yeah, we just started playing. And I was like, well, let's start making YouTube stuff. So in January or February, we started putting out just some little YouTube things. Um, and then when Arena, when, the, when I got into the closed beta of Arena, put out a little bit more you know, kind of struggled to find what we were really wanting to do. Uh, but I think we've kind of got a clear now. We want to do a little bit of arena because that's super popular and we both enjoy playing that. Um, we play a ton of that that has helped both of us get better at the game. Um, and we want to do casual paper content because we really enjoy that. I mean, we like playing standard and we go to the, we go to the shop and we play standard you know, every couple of weeks we'll get down there for standard showdown or Friday night magic. And we enjoy that. You know, we kind of focus on one deck. He's got a real good Golgari mid range deck right now. I'm playing Jeskai control. Um, he went four and oh at the first standard showdown. I went four and oh or three and oh at the next one. Um, and we both just got our butts kicked at this last one. So it's, it's kind of back and forth and, you know, everybody's getting a feel for the format and we're changing our decks as we go. And we kind of talk about that on the channel a little bit and, you know, I'm, I'm going to start doing some commander deck techs, some real fast, real cheap deck techs. Uh, you get links for those for people that are interested in getting into the format. Because when I started, it was super hard to figure out what I was supposed to do. A $30 list or, you know, even a $40 list. Or I would have been able to to kind of order that and just get started. So I'm, I'm wanting to, to help people get their inroad to the format. Um, well, you guys are just so awesome as far as the community support as well goes. Your your playlist is just something that's such a cool idea, and it's just like oh, it, yeah. it was such a a simple thing. It's like why didn't this exist before? But it's just so amazing. You even had some content creators make videos about that about what you're doing. So yeah. Uh, uh, you know, not just, I mean, the videos you make, the content you make is incredible, but just the community support is, is equally, if not even more stunning. So, uh, fast clap uh, on that. Thank you. <laughs> that, that was, I mean, no, no shame. That was my way to make friends. You know, I was like, how can I engage people and how can I promote myself while promoting other people as well? And I think that, that, my thing with I, I'm not good at self-promotion, but if I can do something good for somebody else at the same time I'm promoting myself, I feel okay with it. So that was kind of I, I had to figure out something like that to to 
to get into the community and to give back to, to all the content creators that I like. Yeah, absolutely. Is that something that you feel like you're going to continue doing as the channel grows? Yeah, I'm absolutely going to keep doing it. Um, you know, some weeks it's really hard because it for a while I was doing it all on Monday morning and it was taking me like three hours to put the playlist together and make the tweets and all that stuff. And it was, it was becoming overwhelming. Now I'm starting to kind of spread it out throughout the week. So I'll add videos here and there that I see. And then Friday, I'm just going to blast out the tweets. Um, but yes, I'm absolutely, even when, you know, all of us are past a thousand subs, um, I'm going to keep doing it just to introduce people to new content creators, because I think it's super important to give people that initial break and to get people, get people in front of other people. And, you know, obviously not everybody can make it, but I want to give people that chance to, you know, let them try. Awesome. Oh, man, you were very optimistic. You even said when we all that that included Johnny Slivers. Oh, oh, yeah. That's, oh yeah. that's a tall order, my friend. <laughs> uh, I stream at I stream at brunch. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's when everybody's at work and can watch, right? Yeah, exactly. I'm, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking about the Australian people, folk. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> Cheshire place. Um, wow, that you that what a missed opportunity. You should call it the brunch cast, and then the uh, ask cast. ask Cody if you could use his poster. Welcome <laughs> <laughs> the cackling eggs. Oh man. Oh, we're gonna be cackling uh, eggs. Oh uh, my! Uh, I told oh, you. I'll Why is the, the showrunner the so only bad. one drinking? Boo. So bad. <laughs> <laughs> go, go home. You're drunk. I am home. Uh, yeah. So, well, the, the, so you mentioned playing uh, in streaming arena. That's a good segue. And I know Johnny, I'm, you're kind of the producer on the show and this is going to flip it a little bit, but I, I, if I smell a segue, I got to, you know, bite it. Um, we, we did want to talk a little bit about arena and, and its effects on uh, LGS and, and people that stream arena like uh, yourself, John, and like yourself, Cody, uh, Cody, you're, you're streaming arena all the time. Well, once a week. Uh, I, I That's all have, the time. Yeah. Well, it, it's just I uh, I break it up into five videos, so the videos uh, uh, come up one one game per day uh, on on YouTube. So that just kind of uh, gives people a reason to keep coming back to the to the channel. And I don't know if I don't know if that's necessarily right or if that's like a little uh, a little uh, um, deceptive. But I mean, nobody's gotten mad at me yet, except for. Uh, when I forget to put the deck list in the description, which is pretty much every time. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine, whatever. I, you know, that's no, that's pretty cool. That's that's playing the YouTube algorithm thing because the way YouTube operates, they want to see you putting something out every day. And if you only got the time to hit five games in one day and you break it into five videos, I mean, that's just using your resources, and that's I don't see a problem with that. Yeah, and I mean, our streams usually go for like two to three hours, and it's it's like, well, I have this two to three hours of gameplay. Like, what else am I going to use this for? Is it just going to sit there in in Twitch for the thirty days uh, before it just goes away forever? Um, or I could just put it on my YouTube channel because the only thing that we ever do with our YouTube channel is put our show on it. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, we might as well do that. Like, that's just an extra. It's free content. It's already there. We've already made it. We just got to like. And just like put a little uh, transitions in, and that's it. Yeah, and, and so you, uh, Johnny, you you 
brought up an interesting point where you said, uh, you know, people like like Calvin and John, where they've been going from uh, LGS to LGS and stuff. You were wondering if Arena has had a positive or negative effect, right? Because and I bring it up because there's there's these reports showing up on Twitter. People are talking about new players showing up to their LGS playing paper either for the first time or it's been it's within the first few times that they're playing their FNMs and getting reports back that yeah I've been playing arena for like six seven months or whatever however long they've been playing arena and now they're getting into paper and it's kind of like the digital bringing human beings into the physical LGS stores and I was curious to hear from from Hank and Calvin like in your travels to the LGSs that you have been visiting have you been seeing that have you been seeing this kind of uptick of of new players or returning players where arena is the reason they came back and and like what you know tell me about like where what stores and what part of the country you've been seeing that well so far, I mean to relate to that a bit i think if, if it weren't for arena i wouldn't have the interest in standard that i do right now and i think you know the same thing for calvin because we can come home and we can play standard on arena so that's kind of got me already thinking about standard i mean if it wasn't for that i would probably just play commander all the time um if i was just going to play paper i would just play commander but since i'm already invested in arena and playing those cards i want to play those cards in real life too so you know, making those decks in paper and taking them to a Friday Night Magic is just logical for me. As far as people showing up having played Arena, it seems like a lot of people are showing up at least RLGS that weren't showing up before. Now, I've only got about a year of experience, um, but every single pre-release has been bigger than the previous one. Now, I don't know if that's just an uptick in set quality or the hype around the set, or if it is actually Arena bringing people in. It, it could be a combination of those things. Because I know Dominaria was great. I know that Core 19 was pretty good. Everybody was super hyped about Ravnica. So it, it's probably a combination of quality sets, you know, Wizards kind of going in the right direction with their new releases and people just being able to play those things at home and wanting to get back out to the shop and play in paper. I think, I think that Arena will definitely have a positive effect on Friday Night Magics and standard showdowns. That, that would be fantastic if that's coming along. I mean, I know in my area, um, Friday Night Magic died like flat really? out died people. They could not, they were having a really hard time firing standard. We got commander and modern players galore, but um, they started, they shifted Friday night magic into draft and mm -hmm. it has to be new draft. Like nobody wants to draft the old cards. So if it's like six weeks out, people don't show it's nuts. Yeah, so I mean, if arena is yeah. doing that, like if, if this is somehow they, you know, there's, there's something about that cardboard crack quality where you like, you crack those packs and you just, you hooked and you just, you just need to get that fix. Um, if arena is the digital version of that. And honestly, I think they're trying to recoup their hearthstone players. Cause I, I finally downloaded arena and I took an hour. I went through the tutorial. I looked at some of the, they've set this up like hearthstone, like the oh. deck list where it's oriented, how you, it, it seriously, if you are a hardcore hearthstone player, you don't need to, it doesn't take, it takes nothing to figure it out. You know, what's going on. That's what happened. They like took hearthstone and put the magic skin on over the top of it. And there it is. 
So I'm pretty sure they're trying to poach their their customers back from Hearthstone, and they're doing a good job with it. And kudos, Wizards, you did it right. <laughs> do you yeah, think that? Do you think if they go wide and release everything and not just like standard and whatnot, that that will hurt uh, more paper turnout? You think that just enough of what they what is available in arena is what might help? You know what I'm saying? I think it'll help standard. Yeah. But, you know, um, uh, Professor and Vince were talking about this on Thighs to Removal, their first episode. And the the big issue is it sounds like they're not even going to do multiplayer at all. That's that's a big, big shot in the foot, especially for the commander players. Like commander, you have to have multiplayer. And without it, you're, you're just, I don't know, you're just kind of flailing there. I don't know what... Maybe that'll change. Maybe they'll do something about that. But I mean, who knows? It's a question of whether or not they're serious about getting into doing multiplayer for Commander. Um, if they have to, and there's a lot of talk about whether or not they're only going to go back to like Origins and the, this, there's, the, there's these murmurings in the community about a new eternal non-rotating format from Origins forward. And it's been talked about for years at this point, but it, it might be coming up a little more seriously with Arena. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Cody, how much paper are you playing as opposed to arena, like versus arena? Uh, I'm actually the the wrong person to ask because my wife just got a, a night job, and I have not played paper magic in six months. Um, so I, I have I basically have no input on the uh, on the the uh, how how arena is affecting stores. So actually, I was going to ask uh, Hank and Calvin. Um, and I'm sure this is this would just be your your opinion at you know right now because uh, it, there hasn't really been arena hasn't been out long enough for most people to get their hands on it just yet. Um, but as as we were talking about, you know, arena could be drawing people to the store, which is great. Um, but what do you think the effect will have where like in arena and, and you know to to a similar extent, magic online, the rules are are managed for you, you know, so like, uh, you know, when when you counter a spell or when when you activate an ability, like things go on the stack, and it's really easy to see because it's happening all in front of you. When you're playing cards, that doesn't happen. You know, you 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 do your thing, and you kind of just have to know that it's happening. So for uh, less experienced players who don't know that that's something that you have to take care of on your own, do you think that will affect uh, uh, the long term retention of new arena players to cardboard? I'll let Calvin answer this one because he has kind of learned way more on arena than I could have taught him otherwise. Well, in my opinion, um, uh, I think that's helped me because I, before when I first went to our uh, magic shop and played, I had like, when I started playing magic, I had trouble like getting like a, um, any of the phases. Any, any of the, the phases, like the steps. But I think Arena has helped with that. Okay. And just why. So, yeah, it, it, it basically forces you to play correctly. Mm -hmm. So as long as you're trying to understand the rules, and most people, I, I think, that play it long enough will just inherently understand how things work. I, I think it actually helps. And I've encountered several people that don't play Arena that don't quite understand how the stack works. So yeah. I, I think that in that regard, it helps. 
Well, it's it's streamed. It's it's definitely more streamlined, like a Duels of the Planeswalker. That's what it seems like to me. I have yet to play Arena, but uh, just from what I've seen, you know, other people play it, and, and all the kind of feedback on it is, it's kind of a perfect marriage of Hearthstone and um, Duels of the Planeswalkers. Uh, Duels of the Planeswalkers, if you remember, uh, it, it was a great streamlined product, especially for for newer players. I mean, uh, a complete layman could go on there and, and sit down and play a full game of magic and not even know they're playing it because uh like like calvin stated it it's just like uh so like it explain it, it forces you to play magic correctly but in a very easy to follow kind of way instead of you know having someone ex you know a person in front of you uh explain steps and phases and all this stuff so uh, it, it is definitely a more streamlined product, it seems. Yeah, absolutely. Well, well, and uh, um, and uh, basically, like at least to me, like like when I've tried to teach my wife how to play, and she plays a little bit, she just she's not you know as into it as somebody who makes content on a on a, a for almost a year now. Geez, um, but uh, but like she, uh, I guess I've kind of had a hard time explaining, uh, like Calvin said, like what the phases are. You know, like, oh well, this is you. Know, this is your first main phase. Yeah, this is your pre-combat main phase. Like, and and those are those are kind of hard things to explain. Um, but when but when you're forced to you're forced within the rules, like you cannot skip this. Then it, it kind of it, you kind of learn it inherently just by playing. And and I, I get what you mean now, uh, Calvin. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let let's segue into another uh, topic, and this is kind of probably the most juicy topic. Uh, that we're going to be talking about tonight. And that's another kind of A-bomb that just dropped on us, I want to say yesterday, if I'm not mistaken. But that is yeah. the artist boycott of everything uh, Magic Fest related in 2019. Mike Lineman came out and uh, kind of uh, put out an article on GatheringMagic.com or Cool Stuff Inc. Uh, there's cool stuff. Yeah, same, same. Uh, about <laughs> Channel Fireball's uh, dropping of a lot of the benefits to artists or, or more so treating them like vendors. So, I, I mean, this is a, it set the, the, uh, the magic social media ablaze. Everyone's, you know, the world's on fire again. Um, and I, I just kind of want to hear your guys' thoughts. So let's kind of go around the table. Let's start with Mr. Slivers. I, I, when I read this article from Mike, it was a very interesting piece and a really kind of eye-opener as far as what's going on with Channel Fireball being the exclusive purveyor of, of GP status kind of events. And what what happened was the, basically the breakdown is this. Prior to a couple of years ago, within the last one or two years, um, artists were considered what they would call like a, a guest of honor or they were brought in to enhance the, the event experience and they were compensated. They're compensated travel room, like hotel rooms, a, a nice large table for all their wares. And it was kind of like they, they got a lot of perks and benefits for being there as an artist. Now, recently that has been flipped. Um, they are starting, they are now treating the artists as vendors and all of the benefits have been scaled back dramatically. Their overhead has gone way up and it is basically, and to the point where they have the artists come in and they, they have them part of their pre be, part of them being there. They have to provide like art classes, but they're not being compensated, which is jacked up. 
Um, the problem with that is you're talking an artist. When we look at what they're doing, this is a service they're providing. They're operating as a service provider. And this isn't just for artists. This is doctors, lawyers, electricians, con you know, any kind of contractor. You're not paying for their service. You're paying for their time. And that's the issue that's going on here. This Channel Fireball as a company is trying to change it around where they can get their money up front from them as a vendor and then pass the buck on to the artist to make the money back for themselves. And that's a completely different model than what they are accustomed to based on this article from Mike. And it's become too much. And now they are they are running this boycott for awareness and they're looking to add more names to the list. And I think it's I think it's good for awareness. However, I have I'm skeptical that it will make changes. That's the thing I have an issue with. Not that I have an issue with the fact that they want to make awareness for this. I think that's important. But you know, at on the surface, it looks like Channel Fireball maybe just being greedy. It's like, oh, let's turn them into vendors so we can make more money. You can't be a tournament organizer of this level without understanding the the hyperbole of the Magic the Gathering community when it comes to change. Like there is there the reaction from the community would be dramatic. And even though I don't necessarily agree with everything Channel Fireball does, I don't believe they're morons. And I can't imagine they would have looked at this and thought to themselves, how badly would this affect our revenue from the players who show up and pay us for our main event? And I wouldn't be surprised if they decided that the people who show up to, sh to be there for the artists primarily are not the ones that are putting the money into the major event that goes directly to Channel Fireball. That's my now. I'm happy to be wrong about that, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of the next level they were thinking when they made this change. I don't know if the boycott would make any of a difference for that, but if they do this, it needs to be it needs to hurt them in the pocketbook. It needs to be a boycott of players who are actually going to pay at the event and make money for Channel Fireball. And if it's not, then I think it's great for awareness, but I don't know if it'll actually change things. And see, the thing is, is I felt like we were going the other way on this because I went to GP Vegas, I think it was 2017, 2016, I don't even remember now, but that was when we had the first magic art show that I actually went backstage and I was there with Aaron with uh, Turn One Thoughtsies and Mike Lindemann and, and all these uh, folks actually hanging the this like priceless, like original magic art. Um, and, and it was wonderful. And it was like, it was a huge deal because that was the very first art show. I know Mike was trying to uh, keep it going and expand that program because it's a big, you know, pain in the neck, uh, trying to make sure, you know, these artists or these collectors that have, that have purchased this art had to make sure that everything was shipped properly. Every, you know, there was a lot, you know, Mike Lindemann got all the ulcers that weekend. Let me just tell you, because, uh, you know, so many, he couldn't do it himself, but he was responsible for every single piece of this art. So having, you know, everyone in there helping hang and, and post things and, and put things in and out of uh, protective covers and, and all this stuff. It, it was just a lot of work, but it was it was so that was the buzz of that event. And, and especially at a GP Vegas, that is kind of the the Woodstock, so to speak. Yes, I'm old. The Woodstock of magic events. Um it was a big deal, and it looked like, you know, especially Watsy was totally on board with this. And, you know, that was right when Channel Fireball was taking over and, and to being a TO. So 
it, this just came as I mean, talk of yes, they're not stupid. They're not, you know, they're a very well organized company, but it just seemed like such a step backwards. Like, it, you know, and, and I understand cost and and boardrooms and blah blah blah. Uh, but it just it just seemed like a really kind of bad amateurish uh move i mean uh uh john and calvin you guys just came from a gp how was the you know how was the artist buzz there like did you was, did they have an artist alley where, where people were getting cards signed was, was it pretty busy so one of the, one of the things that actually drew me to the gp to going was to meet the artists because i you know back in the day i went to gen con and i got a bunch of stuff signed by therese nielsen I got a bunch of stuff signed by Rebecca Gway. So I, have, I had a bunch of those cards and I, I've always thought they were super cool. So when we were planning this trip to the GP, I was like, we got, you know, get our cards together, you know, for the artists that are going to be there, you know, and, and uh, Jeff Miracola was there, you know, I had him sign my, my Sterling Groves. Nice. Uh, I don't your bouncing beebles. Yeah. I, I don't <laughs> have any bouncing beebles. That was, that was not my time. Uh, Mark Tadine was there. He yeah. signed my favorite card ever, my Lord of the Pit. I pulled this out of a pack in 1994, and every time I get back into playing, I have to find that card because that's just my favorite card. And then um, Elena Danner was there. Yeah. I like your Elena Danner. We had her sign. She is the artist for the the new standard showdown lands for this season. So, you know, we all had – these are Callens. We all had her sign our standard showdown lands. Um, you know, just got a ton of card signed. That was, that was a big draw, you know, and, and, but there was a difference between some of the artists, like Elena was there. She didn't have, she had some art, she had some things that she was selling, but it wasn't much. Um, who was it? Tadine had some stuff. Um, who, who was the, uh, who was the other one? It was, was it Miracola? Jeff Miracola had, had, some things, but not a whole lot. But then you had uh, Aaron Miller, who just had a ton of stuff. And he was, you know, he had this several trays of tokens and he had a box of metal tokens and he had all the play mats. I mean, I ended up, I ended up getting a play mat. Um, super, super cool stuff. Um, but you could really tell that, that these artists had, varying levels of commitment to actually selling stuff. You know, some of them just wanted to be there to sign cards and, you know, chat with people. And while other of them were more prepared to attempt to make money or at least make their ends meet. So it, while for us, it was a big draw and, and we enjoyed getting to meet the artists and getting to, you know, get some things signed and talk to them and tell them how much we appreciate what they did. Um, you know, it's, not for everyone and i've seen several comments online where people are like yeah i don't i don't know why we need artists at these things but obviously there are a lot of people there was one point where mark Tadine had 30 people in line like when he showed up he was just swarmed with people wanting to get stuff signed and i mean this was while the main event was going on so it's it, these are just side people that are there for the artists and for side events and just you know came to hang out and check that out so I think it's really important to have artists at these things because I do think they draw a lot of people in. Now, whether those people stick around and do other things there, I don't know. See, that's but, that's the question I would I would have to ask. Like, for when you went to the GP, 
what was your cost of admission? Like, what did you, did you, do you have to pay to be there to walk around or no, are you only paying for the events free. you play? No, you just walk right in, hang out all day, spend yes. no money at all. See, that's the thing. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Channel Fireball has been watching that because yeah. if they see these artists, they get this fanfare. They all, these people walk through the door for free, but there's no money going into their pocket for the events. Like, even if they show up, even if they're only showing, you know, they play one side event, maybe a commander thing or a draft, that's great. But I mean, what's, I don't know what the entry fees are for GPs. Like, what was the main event for Milwaukee? What does that go for? I think it was like 70. So 70 Jesus. for main event. Yes. And then how much was it for some of the side events? Like, what's the draft going so for? The draft is $20. Um, so, so there's the other thing. They've got these prices, like a $20 draft. Most of the times you go to an LGS, your your draft prices are about 15 for a standard draft, or should be, at least I think. Now, now the one thing that's different, though, is if you win that draft, you get enough tickets to buy a box. Okay. I mean, that's they, they up their price support. That's The, that's, the, the that's prizes are, are considerable at the top end. Yeah, so, just watching your guys' video, you're just like, we have you know X amount of tickets, and and Calvin's getting the T-shirt, and you guys got a box, and you guys got like metal dice and all this stuff. I was just like, wow. I mean, and, and, but you kept saying in the video how how much you you didn't do well in the standings, but you still had a ton of prize support. Yeah, we lost. We lost everything we did. But, you know, <laughs> you know, enough, like we would get twenty tickets regardless, and that twenty tickets is like enough for two packs. So if you do. 10 events and you get two packs, you know, that's 20 packs worth of dollars. So you can get quite a bit of stuff for it. So, yeah, sorry. So somebody, somebody tops a draft, they walk out with a box. That's, yeah. oh God, what's that to the company? But maybe nothing. 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 Well, Channel Fireball's sure having to pay for that? Like what their wholesale price would be? I'm just wondering, like they, I've, they've got to be looking at that. I, they've got to be looking at whether or not the people who show up for the artists are actually paying them for events. Because if they're not, that's why they're flipping the script. And I that I wouldn't be surprised if that's what's happening. Cody, have you ever been to a, a GP or any kind of like con, like a Comic-Con, Gen Con, any, anything like that? Um, I've been to a few Star City Games events. Um, I have never been to a GP, uh, which is going to change next year. Um, and actually, oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, we're, uh, uh, me and John are working on some stuff in the background. But um, so... I have a couple thoughts because um, we actually had Aaron Miller on. We recorded with him on Sunday uh, for the show that's coming out this this week. Aaron Miller is super, super nice. He even mailed us tokens to give out to people. So uh, we're going to be having a little contest to give people token, you know, uh, sign tokens from from him. And so he's like nicest guy, super generous with his time and with with his product. Um, and so uh, my, my initial thing was. It seems like this change can be beneficial to some artists and super not beneficial to other artists. Because I mean, if you're a big artist, like if you're if you're a Therese Nielsen, if you're if you're a uh, um, I, I'm trying I, I, for some reason I, I'm blanking on uh, you know like if you're if you're a big artist, if you're a Pete Venters, uh, Mark Tadine, RK Post, Jason Engel, <laughs> Rebecca Gay, yeah, yeah Rebecca, um, yeah, Rebecca Gay, else? like yeah. You, you, you like that. That doesn't matter as much to you because, like, you are going to sell stuff when you show up. Um, you know, when if you're a smaller artist and you've done like, uh, like Aaron Miller, he's done sixty cards and he's had one kind of iconic card in a Johnny Mentor of Heroes, but I mean, it's it, there aren't 
he doesn't have any cards that are like four of modern, you know, playables. You're not, he's not Steve Argyle and not, not to say that uh, Aaron Miller doesn't, you know, is bad. Uh, but it's just, it's just like, he doesn't have a card that's, you know, that people want to get signed. Like every, anytime they see him, they're like, Oh, please, you know, please sign my, you know, my, this X, Y, Z card. Um, so, so it, it, you know, to me, it seems like it could, this chain, like, uh, like you said, um, Johnny, uh, that this is something, you know, channel fireball is a big company and I'm sure they've done their research before making this decision. Like they, they probably didn't just throw this decision out there. Um, but honestly, to me, it seems kind of similar to what they did with the, uh, small time content creators when they were doing, um, uh, uh, like, uh, you know, the, the, sh the showdowns that you could do where you could, uh, give out packs to people, you know, for, for playing with you. Um, and now they don't do that anymore. Um, but like, you know, they'll, they'll still fly out the professor and wedge because they're the big guy, they're the big, you know, the big dogs. And, yeah. and that, that's again, nothing, nothing bad against, you know, them because they, they deserve all the success they've gotten. Um, but it's just like, if you're not, if you're not Steve Argyle, I, it, it's, it's making it, you know, less appealing to show up really mm. yeah. train left the station. You got to have that celebrity chip or you're, you're struggling. But, but like John said, like Mark Tadine's, when I went to GP Vegas, Mark Tadine's booth was the busiest thing ever. It, I mean, you would just literally stand in line for an hour, which I did to get my soul ring uh, signed. And he drew a little eye like it looked like it was from Mordor. It's really cute. Um, but then, you know, and, and uh, uh, Steve Argyle is another, like going to, like some people just go to GPs to go get their Liliana the Veil altered by Steve Argyle. That's a draw. Like that is something that that's not uh not it's, it's something that's not nothing right like this especially if Wizards is going away from promoting it as a GP a Grand Prix this is a Magic the Gathering tournament and making it a Magic Fest well in that kind if you're selling it more as a Magic Con then the artists are. 25% of the reason to do this is to have, you know, magic is, it, it's something for everyone. Some people like going to trade. Some people like going to play. I, I wouldn't, I probably would never play in the main event, but I just like going even before I was a content creator, just to, to see the who's who and to, to talk with artists. Like it's crazy. I, I, I talked to uh, uh, Aston Maddox, who's like the, the artist for Sanger Vampire where else are you going to do that? Uh, Anson Maddox, rather. Sorry. Um, you know, like he's not drawing anything for magic these days, but you go to these events to be able to meet someone like him or an RK post um, or Pete Venture. Man, do I have a cool Pete Venture story, but we don't have enough time. Um, you know, Pete Ventures, I don't think is, is going anymore because of health issues, but that was like an out of body experience meeting Pete Ventures. You know, the, the artist on most of my favorite Tempest cards as a kid, it's it just seems so like like a huge disconnect and i don't even think it it almost seems like um because of the change from being you know grand prix to magic fest and all that it almost seems like channel fireball didn't even clear this with watsy you know cuz it just seems really bizarre with the direction that they wanted to take the cons the the magic cons into you know this business decision do you do you guys think that there was that they communicated uh, about this beforehand I don't well, know. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Johnny. <laughs> I, uh, the 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 one hand not knowing what the other hand's doing scenario with Watsy is kind of 
one of the things that happens with them. Yeah, but it's not even so. just Watsy. It's it, you know they've they've hired Channel Fireball to be their exclusive See, TO for now. Based, you know, and based on some of what we've heard from Zuby in in the last couple of episodes about the Channel Fireball events, maybe there wasn't communication. Like we we don't know, but I do believe this was this was money driven. I'm sure that was the case. And, you know, there are some, and here's the other thing I see, I see rumblings in the community about what, if, I think Wedge had this, this survey out. What if there was a $5 entry fee to, or an additional fee, like for putting directly towards artists kind of thing. It's a noble gesture, but that's, that's not the way it works. It's, it's not, that's, that's giving these companies that are supposed to be responsible for putting these events together a pass. And that's not the answer because if we keep giving them the, it happened with eternal masters, it happened with the master sets. They were originally what an $8 pack, but because the market supported a $10 pack, Watsi was like, well, geez, I guess we can mark up that MSRP. We did that. We had that. We created that demand. We pushed that price. We pushed it in that direction. If we do that, if we, if we take these actions as communities, I know that the intent is noble, but if we do that, we're giving them a pass. And basically, we're saying, oh, we'll take care of this. Like, no, no. The TO should be taking care of their service providers and paying them for their time. Full stop. And I, I just, I, I think it's a mistake to go that route. I think it creates this bad standard for for how events are run. And it's, it's just, it's. I know we want to help and fix things, but... There are certain fights that are not our responsibility as a community. There are some things that a company should be taking care of. And this, I think, is one of them. Yeah. Uh, John, you just said that that was one of the biggest draws to go and to get some some cards signed and to meet some of these artists, um, as well as meet Aaron Campbell. Did you, did you get to meet Aaron Campbell? I, I unfortunately did not get to meet Aaron Campbell. I kind of awkwardly smiled at her. I caught her eye as she was in a commander pod. And she kind of was like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> so, this giant warlord of a man. Uh, I felt bad. I, I think she thought I was creeping her. I wasn't. <laughs> you can creep me anytime, sir. But um, no, let's focus, John. Uh, John, myself, I'm talking in third person. Um, <laughs> for someone that said that that was part of the biggest draw, you know, Wedge put out a big tweet that everyone responded to and everyone voted for. It was a poll saying if it meant keeping the artist compensated, would everyone mind a $5 charge? Uh, so my first question is for someone, you know, the $5. So a scenario A, keep it free for, for everyone bystander you know spectators keep it free but raise the cost of admission if you are playing the events and whatever by say five bucks or you know so something similar or scenario b even spectators pay a five dollar cover charge would you be okay with those and which one would you prefer i i i have a an opinion that's kind of in the middle of that I think that if they're really concerned that people are showing up and not participating in events, which I think that there is a number of people that do that, but I still think it's kind of small. I think the best thing they could do is charge like $10, you know, maybe per day or whatever, uh, maybe for the whole event, but then you get vouchers to enter events for, to, to compensate for those $10. So 
you know, if you want to show up and not do any events, you pay 10 bucks to get in. If you're planning on doing an event anyway, you're giving them your $10, but then you're getting it back when you sign up for an event. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, that's like comedy club to drink minimum. Like yeah. you show up, you pay $20, you're paying for at least a draft. So go have a draft, get your card signed. GG. Uh, that, right. that could be, see there, there's a standing model of business that already exists and that works. But what I see when I hear, let's have a fee for supporting the revenue of the artist that starts at $5, you know, you know, that's going to get jacked up. You know, it's going to creep, creep, creep. You give it two years. It'll be 25, 30, 40, $50. And because they're like, well, it's less than the main event, which by, you know, in three years will be, I don't know, 85, $90. It, it's just, that's, I think that's a slippery slope. But if we do that whole like drink minimum kind of thing, like at a comedy club, be like, you get a voucher, you get at least one event and you get to be in and hang out 20 bucks to cover a draft like they usually do. Then, yeah, OK, I, I think I think that could I think that could be fair. And, and Tim Bister uh, had a good question in the chat saying, uh, do do they you know, do you are, do you tip artists and all that? And yes, uh, artists pay. You have to pay an artist per signature. And that's uh kind of relegated to whatever the artist is willing to charge it's usually like two bucks a card for a signature if you, and then uh someone like a mark Tadeen has varying prices if you want alters uh or you know someone like a, a jason angle uh does as well um but cody same kind of question i know it doesn't directly affect you as much yet but it, i mean it sounds like if you are going to be going to a lot more events than it than it will which one or or if any or you know do you have a different idea on on what seems fair to make sure that artists are compensated or not well i mean uh so, so i mean in, in my talk with aaron miller and uh our artist ishton who does all the art for our shows um you know these people aren't you know artists are not making you know huge amounts of money off of off of their work um i'm, I'm sure they make enough to get by and but with you know between like patreon and their own, you know, their own other side projects and the the other companies they work for, because a lot of these guys, you know, they they work um, they work for like Hearthstone and they'll they'll do like a board game or um, like Aaron Miller also does stuff for the Star Wars TCG. Um, so you know they're, they're they're pulling in multiple sources, but when you make it so that you uh, when you when you make it so that the artist has to pay to get in uh, to this event to sell stuff where they'll make a little bit of money, but they're not, they're usually not going to make, you know, a huge amount of money. You're basically reducing the interest of artists to show up at all. Like, so, so I liked warlord tank idea uh, where, you know, there's a, they get, so you could basically say like, okay, well, if we're, if we're expecting 30,000 people and we have 20 artists here, then you'll at least, you'll at least walk out of here with $200. I, I I'm making these numbers up. Don't, don't quote me on this. Um, I mean, at least that, at least that's some sort of compensation that they can say like, well, this is worth my time or it's not. And, and that, that can kind of help at least the artist with their decision-making. Like, is this something that I should be investing my time in? Um, and then also that, that seems like it would affect their work in the cards, you know, like, like, do they, do they want to continue working with wizards if this is the kind of treatment they're going to get? you know, like showing up at, showing up at events, you know, they, they love 
helping the community. They love signing cards. They have altering cards. Um, but if, like, like I said, if, if it costs them X dollars to show up and uh, they only make, you know, Y dollars, then they're probably not going to be super interested. In, like I said, unless you're, uh, unless you have a huge card out there like Soul Ring that everybody wants to get signed. Absolutely. Uh, I, I reached out to a, a major member of the Magic the Gathering community um, about, you know, to, to get an official like kind of on record statement. And that is, uh, you know, Sam, Magic Man Sam or Ristic Studies. Um, unfortunately, he told me he was just a, uh, he didn't have anything additional to add uh upon uh, or on top of his his tweet so he said feel free to go ahead and quote the tweet uh and, and he said and it's not a it's not a surprise that that sam is a, a big proponent of art right he kind of has has built the his own channel he's built a magic empire on the art of of magic and just to quote his tweet he says many folks have reached out over the years to voice how my work has um, deepened their appreciation for magic artists and their craft i would like to know uh I, sorry i would like to now see this reinforced financially at magic fest by the event organizers and then he uh stated i co-signed the boycott um so johnny i, I want to ask you this there there is uh you know, not not even really devil's advocate because I think we're all, all of us on here are in agreement uh, that the artist should still be uh, compensated. But getting people involved, like a Mike Lineman, uh, like uh, Aristic Studies, this almost feel you know. Th at the end of the day, Channel Fireball is a business. This is America, right? You know, whatever. Uh, Channel Fireball is a business, so they could do what they will do, but magic the magic community has such a uh you know a voice and especially when someone gets on a crusade like a wedge uh a, a professor and now ristic studies has gotten to the point where they could kind of rally rally the troops so to speak and push businesses into decision makings we saw a little bit uh we saw a little bit of this with the whole bruce ricard story when watsy stopped uh, promoting, which we talked about on the show, but Watsy stopped uh, sending product to this to this library uh, for children play group because the store the LGS couldn't support it. So you know Evan Irwin got got behind it and kind of pushed Watsy into a decision uh, or into a change. So with all that being said, like I said, Channel Fireball is a company. What do you where do you think it goes, and do you think it's right that this this kind of thing happens to 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 change decision you know business decisions? I I think people have the right to do what they want to make their opinions heard. If they want to take action with the boycott and make their feelings about Channel Fireball's decision known to them through this action, that's fine. And so one of two things has to happen though. Like when you do this, when if you get into this boycott. I'm not I'm not knocking on that, but let me tell you this. You either need to affect their bottom line or create the perception that it will affect their bottom line. The whole thing with with the 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 pre-release thing with Bruce Ricard, that was that was a pardon my for uh, well, if that was a unicorn poop storm of of people just getting riled up, enough people and enough big names went and looked at Watsy and said, Hey, hey, fix this. And that was it was peer pressure, basically. But 
when it comes to marketing and PR, you, a big company doesn't want a huge negative press kind of thing. Like if somebody's complaining, if I'm me and my 400 followers and I'm just like, watchy, 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 why it's going to look like, no, they don't care what I have to say. But when big names get behind it and there's tens of thousands of people making trends on Twitter, yes, then they'll listen. So either the perception that they're going to lose revenue has to be there or it in fact has to affect their bottom line. Listen, I love artists. I, lo I love what Sam does. I wouldn't know anything that I do know about art if it wasn't for his work. But at the end of the day, you got to hit that bottom line. And if it doesn't affect Channel Fireball's bottom line, they will not change. Which I think might be the segue because now it's not just going to be about Channel Fireball. It's like, okay, well, where do you find these artists if they can't afford to put the overhead into making this happen? And maybe it's going to come down to smaller events. I think smaller events will be a new avenue for smaller artists, for smaller regional events that people want to get to but don't want the pressure of a major event. Maybe we can talk about the next segue. Absolutely. That that was really good. It was like you've been on a uh, on this show before. <laughs> Johnny, you're getting moments. You're getting great at this. Um yes, so the the uh, smaller event that uh Johnny's alluding to is SCG Vegas. It, let me just say, I'm going to get on a quick Vegas tangent. I lived in that that poop hole for a very long time, 22 years to be exact. It's the worst. Especially if you're a Magic player, the the week to week day to day LGS scene in Vegas is awful. Everything was closing. Modern was almost non existent. It would not fire, or the or the stores that were doing modern would would go out of business. Um, the only exception to the rule is like the like you either go to a super spiky like place where like Aaron Froelich plays like uh, uh, action comics, uh, or uh, the exception of the rule is Power Nine, but even e like super spiky people go to Power Nine. So you either don't go or you just scrub out every time because you're playing borderline pros or wannabe pros. Uh, so Vegas sucks as a, and Dean in the chat could probably, uh, I, I don't know, maybe he has a different experience. Maybe I was going to the wrong place for 22 years. Who knows? Because I've been basically been playing Magic the Gathering for 22 years. Um, but you know, Vegas as a normal town for magic is the worst. However, it seems like every single big event like that, it, like I stated earlier, the Mecca of magic events is held in Las Vegas. Everyone goes nuts. Everyone from around the world, you get all the, the A-listers, you get the, the professors, all the best cosplayers, you get everybody at SCG or at uh, uh, GP Vegas, rather magic fest Vegas next year. Um, but this, but the smaller tournament that you were alluding to was SEG Vegas. That's the Star City Games Vegas. Uh, I got a tournament report from the person that actually won it, and it's uh, it's he's kind of one of us. It's Nick Prince. Nick Prince is, is awesome. He's hilarious. He's on Twitter. Um, he is probably the most colorful person that you'll ever interact with. Uh, if you don't follow him yet, you should. Uh, it's at Nick Prince on, on Twitter. He actually went there and spiked the tournament and he and he won the standard showdown so i asked him for a little tournament report uh so i'm just going to quote him real quick and he said um 
Let's see. Uh, a lot of people I love seeing from SoCal generally showed up as well as some SEG grinders. I never get to see uh, meet because we're on opposite sides of the country. I was thrilled to get to play standard all weekend because it feels like uh, easily the best constructed format right now. Week to week, they are small narratives and adaptations, but the reality is there are several decks that are relatively close in power level, and then the tier 1.5 to 2, uh, you know, tier 2 decks aren't that far below and can easily prey on the right metagames. It's a format that rewards knowing a deck thoroughly. I couldn't buy a game with mono red in the main event, but could build almost perfectly for the Sunday metagame and uh, green-white got me there. Admittedly, I got pretty lucky, but that's kind of necessary to win a tournament, right? Uh, Celestia is great. History Benalia is the best card in standard, and Nullhide Ferox is super underrated. Uh, and then he states, because I did ask, because uh, he, he put out a tweet that he was up till 4 in the morning the night before. And he said, yes, I was up till 4 a.m. Uh, the night before in Vegas uh, with friends in Cube, uh, playing Cube, but I wouldn't recommend it. But uh, the finals, I was propped up on caffeine and won all the games, 95% uh, of the games. He also had to play Rudy Briska, who is a very old-school, well-known pro, twice. Um, so, yeah, that, that was kind of fun. I, I enjoy You know, Thank you again, Nick, for, for taking the time to give us your uh, tournament report, and congratulations on winning uh, the whole damn thing. That, that's awesome. Uh, but, yeah, like, like you said, Johnny, even though it was a Vegas event, it wasn't really covered that much. I didn't even know anything about it until people were retweeting um, retweeting Dana Fisher. Like, that's it. That's how I knew GP Vegas was going, or not GP, SCG Vegas was going down is because I caught feedback from Dana Fisher in my timeline. Like, oh, there's an SCG Vegas? I didn't, they go to Vegas? I didn't know they go to Vegas. I thought they were East Coast. It was like, there was no press. And I feel like, I don't know, like, like you said, just Vegas feels like Mecca for something like a gaming convention or a gaming event. And I was, I was just surprised it wasn't bigger. Now, I don't know the SCG events events that well. I, I know they had SCG Connecticut. They have SCG whatever, you know, various other places. But I don't know the size of the tournaments versus something like a GP. Yeah. Uh, John, Calvin, is, is that – are you guys planning on, on kind of bridging out and going to these – bigger Vegas events eventually getting to Vegas is going to be tough. I don't fit well on airplanes and it's like a 28 hour drive. So it it's possible, but unlikely regular basis. Anyway, um, we may be able to sync something up where, because my wife always wants to see Cirque du Soleil. So we may be able to sync something up at some point where it happens. Um, but I wouldn't hold my breath. We'll, we'll stay within driving distance for now, probably. Nice. Uh, Cody, do you, do you kind of agree with Johnny and think that these smaller events are kind of the, the answer to what the hell's going on with the, these larger events run by channel, uh, channel fireball? That it, it very well could be. I mean, the only magic event that I've ever been to actually played in was star city games in, in Los Angeles. Uh, a couple of years ago when I was living in California. And um, I, I have to say from my recollection, there was one artist there and I couldn't give you the name if I, if my life was uh, threatened in, in a, in a, in a very real fashion. But uh, <laughs> uh, so it's, it's, it's one of those things that like it would uh, I, like, uh, like Johnny said, like it would have to be something that really pushed all the artists because 
it seems like most of the artists are for this boycott, obviously, or else they wouldn't be a part of it. Um, but then they have to all collectively go, okay, we're stopping going to GPs and we're going to exclusively go to SCG opens or, or Gen Con or, uh, um, I know that there's some magic artists that that do like comic cons and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, it's also kind of limiting their reach when they only do magic events. You know, when they do a comic con, then they can sign stuff for their other the other games that they do or the books that they illustrate for, or, you know, anything else. So, it, it's really a cost analysis for them and and uh, and for Channel Fireball. So if they're hit hard enough and artists don't show up. And people stop coming because there are no artists there to show up for then maybe that could be the deciding factor that uh pushes channel fireball to fixing this yeah uh from what i've heard too from people that have gone to scg run events like yourself and channel fireball events or other to ran events it's like night and day where i i can't help but think seg is kind of just chuckling and kind of twirling their fingers at this point just being like careful what you wish for this is what you asked for have fun with this <laughs> well and and i do want to speak to channel fireball kind of taking over as the sole uh gp you know runner um from what i've been told is in the past you know the quality of the gps varied wildly you know so like if you got a if you got a channel fireball gp then that was then that was fine but if you got if you got one that was run by a different company like there were there were uh, you know tables missing like not enough tables or not enough chairs or you know just it, various issues. So it is kind of one of those things where you know we're damned if we do and we're damned if we don't. Like with you know going with Channel Fireball at least when when it's one company running all of them, then you know you know what to expect. You know across the board, all of them are the same. This is this is these are the rules, and you just have to deal with it. But on the other hand, you know we might. Uh, in the past, like there, there have been quality issues just because there are so many different people with their fingers in the pots and they all have different uh, expectations and different um, levels of like, what is acceptable? Like how, like how much do we help the artist? How much do we put into, you know, um, you know, size of size of venue? How much do we put into X, you know, all that stuff. So it, I, I don't know, like it, I'm kind of glad that there's just one company doing it because then there's a straight line that we can all see and we all know what we're dealing with. But at the same time, we have things like this, <laughs> unfortunately. No, oh, yeah. I mean, even back in the day, people were, people are going to complain and that's just the nature of humans. Uh, when it was run by, you know, regionally it was run by TOs, uh, whoever was, it was in the area. There was a lot of different ones there would be complaints that, oh, well, this, uh, I don't know, alter reality game, I don't even know if they've ever TO'd before, but, uh, you know, this wasn't ran as well as uh, Star City Games, or this one, or this Channel Fireball event was way better than whatever, you know. So th there was that, because there was always that that comparison. It's just like, especially for the, for the, the consummate grinders, right? It's like the people that would go to all these events, the, the Christian uh, Calcanos and all those that, that just literally just wake up and go to magic tournaments. He doesn't even remember how he gets there. Um, it's, it's that kind of like, like you said, Cody, like consistency is, is a thing, but now since they're calling on the shots, they could be like, okay, well, since we're the only game in town, 
we could alter whatever without any repercussions. And I think there's a glitch in the consistency argument as well, just because, again, referring back to what we've heard from Zuby and his experiences between GP Dallas versus GP Atlanta, was it Atlanta, I think? Yeah. There were discrepancies between those two locations as well. The, the people at one event had, there, there was just, it was dramatically different levels of quality based on his report. So even though it's the same company, you've got different people running different events from that company. So there, there's still, you still have discrepancies. You still have, you know, some people do things better than others. And I think one of the things we have, I think one of the things we have happening with companies like Wizards of the Coast and Channel Fireball, a lot of the people who get involved in those companies were magic players first, and they may have found their way into job titles and roles that they've learned about but maybe it wasn't their specialty or maybe this isn't it's like kind of like like the people who program magic gathering online were magic players first and coders second when really it should be the other way around where their primary mode was coding and they happen to draft once in a while that kind of thing so i you know this it's it's funny when i wouldn't be surprised if we see channel fireball look being one of these companies where the it used to be run by a lot of gaming nerds <laughs> who are now becoming more business oriented. So that's where you see some of these shifts. Um, that's kind of like, I, but the consistency in the events, I think before Channel Fireball took over, I remember hearing a lot of conversation about GPs and who ran the GP. Why was the GP bad? Why was it good? Who did the, oh, why was this one good? Oh, so-and-so ran it. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Why was this GP bad? Oh, that, you know, that one, they don't do a good job. So reputations about the TOs were starting to get out. Like social media be, made that more of a, of a, made us more aware of it. So I think had Channel Fireball not taken over the TO operation for all the GPs, I wouldn't have been surprised if the ones that couldn't pull it off would have just lost their contracts. Just plain and simple. You and the companies that could pull off a decent GP would get to keep their contracts. And I, I guess you know that's where I think what, could, how it could have been if it had not just been blanket contract to Channel Fireball. And social media would have made that possible. Social media would have given us the tools to research who does a good GP and who doesn't. And you know we missed that opportunity when Wizards made this decision to go exclusive Channel Fireball. Well, and it was SEG that kind of made the decision for them too. SEG at the time, if you remember, a couple of years ago, pulled out of the the sponsoring their their pro players game. Um, they they pulled out of, of TOs, and, and it was. It, but but think about it. It was almost like a good business decision because they're still getting online sales. They still have uh, article writers under their belt, so their overhead is less. They have to dole out less money. And Channel Fireball at first is just like, oh, sweet. We have now exclusive rights on running all the GPs, Magic Fest. Uh, we have all this, all this, like, you know, we are the evil empire now. We can do what we want. But guess what? It's not as easy as you think. And and Star City Games ran a, a hell of a tournament, from what I've been told. Um, they paid their 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 content creators, or rather their uh, pro players, very well. So there was that, that huge outcry when they stopped just doing this and maybe that that has something to say of how much you know giving someone you know a pro player money talk we're talking about paying artists at events but they're paying these these pro players to go to every single uh gp to go to every single pro tour to go to every single worlds um and, and channel fireball still doing this so it's just like 
yeah, they're, they're the big bad one and they have the monopoly on everything, but they're also still left holding the check. I've got, I've got a question for Calvin actually, because so, so we're all grown men uh, and we play a fantasy theme collectible card game marketed to basically Calvin, like Calvin's age group, you know, like that's, that's kind of the target, I guess would be the target demographic uh, for, for, for the suits. Um, so Calvin, how much, how much coverage do you watch? Like, like, do you watch a lot of like the, the GPs or, or pro tours? Have you ever watched a GP or a pro tour? Have I? I? I think I made him watch. I had him watch the end of the one where Ellis, where Luis Scott Vargas, um, bluffed didn't settle the wreckage trick. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he watches any other coverage at all, um, unless I like, tell him about something. Like the GPs. Yeah, I watch, watch, the, watch him on the stream. I watch him on like Twitch. Do you? Yeah, I okay. watch them on Twitch. Yes. Okay, now I understand. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like like so so you know, if if you see it on you'll you'll watch it, right? Like that you mm -hmm. probably don't, you probably don't make it a point to go out and watch, but like if it's on, sure, why not, right? Yeah, now, if I have the time, yeah. Now, what about um have you watched any of the SCG uh coverage? And like, that's not, Star City Games. Yeah, Star City Games um, coverage. I don't even think I've watched any of the Star City Games coverage. So I don't know if Calvin has or not. Um, he would have had to have found that on his own. I don't know. No? Probably okay. so. Okay. No, no, because so so my my thing is is like uh I don't watch a lot of the coverage. Uh basically because uh I'm sure you've seen the video that they have people have videos where they just have like, you know, minutes of downtime of that of mm -hmm. of just nothing on coverage. And that gets so boring. And it's like, I, I, I want to just like, I want to change the channel. I don't want to watch that. And yeah. it's like, if you, uh, I have watched a lot of SCG coverage, uh, you know, from time to time. And, you know, there is no dead air. They have, they have, they'll switch to just the commentators talking about literally anything. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's a lot more fun when, when, you know, you have these knowledgeable uh, commentators uh, that are really good about, you know, kind of keeping the pace up and talking about things and not to say that wizards wizards hasn't hired great commentators because there are lots of really great people uh on their team as well but like if i have to sit there and wait five minutes with just like a rotating board of the of the standings i don't want to keep watching i'll change the channel i'll watch something on netflix or something like that i, I won't even stick around that that's why i was i was just asking like what what are your thoughts on that uh calvin because like that's really kind of a big deal like if if people are dropping because you know there's all this dead air and and not not keeping people hooked in, um, and you being you know the target audience, I wanted to hear what your opinion was on that. Um, like wait between matches, mm, like watching the timer countdown. It's not it. It's kind of annoying to just wait. Yeah, but I. I I will usually just do something while I wait, but I I know a lot of a lot of folks his age and a lot of the younger generation that grew up with YouTube don't have the patience to wait those things out. So I can see a lot a lot of a lot of you know the age group that they're targeting just not wanting to wait. Um, 
I know I'm old and patient, and I still don't. Really <laughs> but you know, patient. <laughs> I don't watch that much coverage anyway. Only when it's interesting. It, it was the pro tour that I watched. I watched a lot of the pro tour just because I was super interested to see what was going on. But some of those breaks, you know, in between the rounds where they don't do anything for 20 minutes, it was hard. And that's something to be said because the pro tour is like almost the unveiling for people that aren't so entrenched in the game of, of the new decks. And, Oh, what is the meta that, that is the meta game shaper, right? Like a pro tour, even though it always turns out to be mono red or in this case, mono white uh, from this last pro tour, it always turns out, you know, that's, that's where you go. That's where Eldrazi winter is born and all these crazy things you get to see the the format and the new set from the pros eyes them telling you what you're going to be playing at fnm for the next couple months so there's something to be said about that in code on cody's point to piggyback what you said about it, what 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 are you laughing about is they need to run tsh mini episodes between rounds <laughs> well yeah absolutely yes. Yeah, you 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 work those connections. We'll do a few little ten street hooligan shorts. That's I think right, my, Efren, uh, you're uh, a doctor. You have connections. I, I think we we would have to we'd have to uh, increase like the, the the stand like the standing silliness level to to compete with like loading ready run or something like that. We but. are usually a lot sillier than tonight. I have to say this has been kind of a solemn show, if I might say so myself, uh, because there's so much just like thick, like gross magic news. But usually we're just discussed. I mean, you you did oh, no, see the, the male stripper episode, right? No, I've I, I watched the show. I I know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> that's, why you, that's why you look perturbed. You're like, what is going on? I thought this I was. Is, this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> more sober tonight. I signed up for a lot more whimsy. Uh, you're you're more sober tonight, Slivers. Uh, I'm trying to act sober because I feel like you guys are my parents or something. I'm like, <laughs> no one else is having as much fun as I am. But I'm like, well, they better not find out that I'm having fun. Um, <laughs> So don't you guys ever do this to me again. Um, what was I going to say? I was, I was going to say something, and now I don't uh, remember. Something about magic, probably. Um, yeah, oh, uh, back real quick, and, and then we'll kind of uh, end, end this. Um, but like Cody said, there's not an ounce of fat on, on Star City Games coverage. Um, because, I mean, you have P. Sully and you have Cedric Phillips. Uh, who are just kind of the best in the biz covering. I mean, yeah, when you're watching Pro Tours, you have like your Marshall Sutcliffe's and, and your BBDs and all that. But, you know, SEG coverage, and when they're not doing that, you get Nick Miller with the with the spotlights on the, their deck techs are phenomenal. Um, it, it, come to think of it, I, that's the least, it, unless it's like the top eight or like the, or, or like, yeah, pretty much the top eight. I don't care about watching the gameplay of any magic coverage. I don't care about pro tour or SCG. I just come for them talking about deck techs, them, you know, LSV breaking down, uh, uh, new format staples and everything. That's, that's what I really come for is the downtime. And what I've seen from channel fireball GP coverage, it's, it's just, yeah, it's just not doing it for me like an SCG does. So, uh, I, I don't want to, you know, just crap on, on channel fireball the whole time. Again, they are 
they're a great company. There's a lot of cool people that work for them. Uh, my boy TJ Rogers does does coverage, uh, you know, the gameplay, play-by-plays for that, and he does a great job, but there is just so much to scratch your head about lately. But that is, uh, gentlemen, uh, we're kind of up against it. That is all the time that we have for tonight, so let's go around the horn. Let's start with our special guests, Calvin and John from Warlord Hank YouTube channel, Cardboard Paladins. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Where can everyone find you? Hey, thanks for having us. Calvin, where can they find you? Um, On Twitter. Twitter, Twitter, slow, slow clap cat. Slow clap cat, you can see? find me. Yeah, see, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm the only one that can say it. Uh, slow clap cat, super easy. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, at Warlord Hank. On YouTube, uh, just search for Warlord Hank, super easy to find. I'm the only one out there, so. You can find me there. That's about it. All the emails are too long and difficult to explain. So find me in one of those places. Send me a message if you want to contact me elsewise. I just want to say you're just so cool, man. And I'm just so happy that we finally got a chance to sit down and talk. Me? Like, not yeah. on Twitter. Uh, you're just so awesome, and I'm so glad that we actually got you on the show. Yeah, I've been wanting to get on the show for a while, but uh, but football got in the way the last time you asked me. So I'm glad we got them here too. It's been it's been a lot of fun, and hopefully next time we can have more fun and not just talk about people dying and oh. terrible grand uh, <laughs> prix things. <laughs> like those go hand in hand, you know. Death, yeah, yeah. human dying, humans dying at GPs and grand prix. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, sorry, it's sorry. Uh, yeah, we'll get you on a more fun show. No, maybe hey, maybe that, the next iteration the of the of the male stripper show. <laughs> Just yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Oh god, I'm <laughs> gonna lose all the all the everything. Uh, Cody, uh, our special honorary co-host tonight, filling in. You know, so, some uh, you're filling some big nuggets, uh, <laughs> and and I think you, you did it pretty well, sir. Uh, where can everyone find you? All right, we are on Twitter as uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook is at FishCastMTG. Um, you can find us uh, on YouTube as well, YouTube.com/FishCastMTG. Twitch at twitch.tv slash fishcastmtg. We're really hard to find. Patreon at patreon.com slash fishcastmtg. And you can find our, our podcast on basically everywhere you can find a podcast. Uh, it's on YouTube. It's on the Apple and Google Play podcast stores, as well as iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, Spreaker, um, yeah, pretty much everywhere. Uh, if you like Merfolk Talk or actually check out our next episode because we are talking with, with Aaron Miller, like I said, so... If you're not interested in merfolk, we do talk about non-merfolk things sometimes, like like our, our talk with Aaron Miller. So that'll that that was actually a great episode. I'm gonna re-listen to that one several times. <laughs> that that's when Johnny Slever stops listening because he has always said that the allure of your show is that you guys stay on theme. Well, so so I mean we we uh we have some uh things that it's like tangentially merfolk. And so like we'll talk about lore, but we'll talk about the lore of merfolk. Um, or we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about like a matchup of against a specific deck. So like we had uh, my buddy Nick on to talk about the Lantern Control matchup. Um, and so it's if you want to learn about Lantern Control, that's a great episode to to talk about or to, to to go listen to because he actually breaks down a lot of the plays for that deck. And so there are episodes that we don't talk about Murpho completely. Uh, so there is something for everyone. Sir, you and I have a, a podcast together too. Would you like to spoil what we're, we'll be talking about next time? 
non-magic related. Yeah. So, uh, so we have uh, our show, Utunes. Uh, we are going to be talking about the Rankin Bass Christmas specials. So uh, that is like the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, uh, not Claymation. We can't say Claymation. Um, you know, Frosty the Snowman. There are some weird Rankin Bass Christmas specials. There's one about leprechauns, and I did not know it existed, and now I do. And it's like if I had, if I could replace the knowledge of bad cartoons with like literally anything, I think I would, I would. I would make some money in my life. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was actually called Leprechaun uh, Three: Leprechaun in the Hood. Was was the actual <laughs> official title of that? Right? No. Okay. Uh, Johnny Slivers, dude, you have the hollowed position uh, of the going last on the plugs. This is only reserved for the Zubius Zubies. But since he's out, hey man, don't disappoint. Go for it. Where can everyone find you? I'm sorry, there will be no sexy radio voice here. Uh, you can find me on Cards Fear in the blogging category. I am blogging about EDH. You can find me here on Tin Street. I'm on Twitter at Johnny Slivers. And you can find me on YouTube at Cackling Carnarium. You can, you <laughs> can look that up. I finally changed that. You look up Cackling Carnarium, you'll find me there. Uh, I am finally doing streams after people get home from work and we're doing cackling carnarium after dark december 4th we will have uh steven uh he's on twitter at trapixium and we'll be uh basically if you know steven if you if you know his style dm me i want to know what his favorite favorite cards are and basically it's basically it's a roast for commander players. You we we coerce people into brewing decks that they loathe and that's what we're doing with cackling carnarium Awesome. That sounds awesome. Um, glad to see Trap on on the show. We will. It's kind of the not funny long long running joke about Trap not being on the show. But we, I swear to God, Steve, we'll get you on the show ASAP. Uh, actually, what's what's your Gmail? I'll just hold on. I'm gonna add you right now. Uh, no, <laughs> that would just be doing you a disservice because you're just such an awesome dude. Uh, but we'll get to you. I, I promise. Um, yeah, you could find me on this very channel. Oh, well, first off, I, I want to say, please, if you want to buy, sell, trade, Magic Gathering product in paper form, there's no better place to do it than carsfigure.com. If you want to go get sweet swag like Johnny's hat, my hat, uh, you know, Coach and Zuby's got hats. Uh, everyone, it seems like an epidemic on on uh, on Twitter lately. Everyone's buying the Carsphere hat. It's kind of becoming like a cult like legendary thing, which is pretty sweet. Uh, go to txcp.store. That's where you get the, the official card sphere merch. Uh, card sphere is just so awesome. There is something uh, new in the works uh, that's that card sphere is going to release. I'm not going to talk anymore about it because a, I don't know if I can and B, I just want to leave you on the hook. Um, you could also go to inkgaming.com. That's our new, uh, the new sponsored affiliate for uh, the Hive Mind and Tin Street Hooligans, uh, and that is that I do have a pro promo code with. That's Hive Mind uh, MTG. Hive Mind MTG. Get ten percent off. Just some really really kick ass uh, play mat, custom play mats, uh, dice bags, uh, uh, custom. Uh, they have that a uh, bolus Taco Bell or, or Taco Bolus. Uh, sleeves that are just hilarious. So go to inkedgaming.com, enter promo code HiveMindMTG. It's awesome. You could also find me on Twitter at OrzobDunn. You could also find me in actually an hour and a half on Tasty Snacky's channel on the Mana Dorks podcast. That's right. I'm doing a late night podcast after this tonight. So go over 
rush over to Tasty Snackies. If you probably already have, he's got more subs than I do. But you know, if you haven't, go sub to Tasty Snackies. I'm gonna go hang out with with him and McBee and all those other crazy bastards. Um, I got to get off this before I, I just start cussing a lot and poor Calvin is ruined forever. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So, so thank you all my guests and co-hosts. We'll see you guys next time on 10 Street Hooligans. Later. Bye.